Welcome to episode 109 of Come On You Reds. We're in the playoffs. We're fired up for Sunday. Gareth Wheeler, Terry Dunfield with you. I just watched Clayton Hansler's All For One video. My God, can we just skip forward to Sunday right now? And if you're listening to this on Sunday, you're a lucky individual. Seriously, i just seen it too. I am jacked for the game. What a video. Props to Clay. As always, top, top drawer stuff. And Sunday could not come soon enough. It's November now. Playoffs started earlier for Toronto FC last year. And there was more steps to take. They came away with a 2-1 victory over the New York Red Bulls in the first leg of the Eastern Conference semifinal on Monday night. We're going to reflect on that. The M- MLS has announced its player award nominees, who we like, who got snubbed. All that's still to come. One team has already punched their ticket to the Western Conference final. We'll reflect on that. And another week with more problems with VAR. Oh, yeah. And this week's high five. It's still to come as well. A horrible high five. It's a good show. The high five is catching on, unfortunately. It is. It really is. Why wouldn't it, And Terry? by the way, VR last night in that Vancouver game was a nightmare. A, a shambles. Yeah. By the way, like you're a soccer player, or a former player, so you can understand. Like, What kind of shape are your toes in and your toenails? I know it's kind of gross to get into off the top, but my, my toes are a mess. I broke my toes playing. So many times. They're, they're just mangled. Hammer toes. You know what we'll do? And I'm probably never, ever get a bird again. I'll put up a picture of my toenails. And okay. you can see how bad they are. Well, I, and, I, and for any girls out there or guys who meet a potential professional footballer, if you ever want to verify it, look at their toenails. No kidding. That, that's the people with foot fetishes. I don't get it. Feet are disgusting. They're utilitarian. My wife, they get you from my point wife to point makes B. me sleep with socks on. Did she really? Yeah. Seriously. I like did she because she's in England now. Yes. Well, <laughs> she's not here right now, but she won't let you sleep in the same bed with you without your, your socks They're on? like raptor toes. Really? <laughs> See, last night, like, I, again, this is way too much information. I was clipping my toenails, <gasps> and they don't work. Like, it doesn't work because my toes are mangled, and I just want Dude, too I short got the, on I one. got the same problem. I have to use these like industrial toenail clippers at TFC. I can't even use normal toenail clippers. It's like, what was that, Phil? Oh, it's like Dumb and Dumber when he's using, like, <laughs> yeah. what, <it's> grinding. <sighs> no, but I did I, I did my nail too short, and now it, like I'm wearing socks today. It hurts. Do you want to know something, I, though, for any young footballers out there? Do not ever cut your toenails on the day of a game. No, never. One, for superstition reasons, you just don't do it. Two, if something were to ever happen and you were to nick your toe and couldn't play because of it, that was something I learned in the youth team right. back in the Dizay. Did, what, and just a little bit of advice. Did you just say Dizay? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're in Clay's new super slick studio, yes. and I feel like I, I've kind of got to be a bit hipstery. Okay. Okay, so but yeah, do not clip your toenails on the day of a game. The more you know with Terry Dunfield. Uh, yeah, I'm just thrown <laughs> off today. My toes just don't feel right. Good thing all we need to do for this podcast is chat and banter about Toronto FC. Um, and let's start off with Monday night's game, a 2-1 victory at Red Bull Arena. I went into the match and a lot of people were wary about the style of play for the New York Red Bull. And it certainly affected the game, Terry, the way that it plays out. Because neither team had much time uh, on the ball, especially in the attacking third. It was a little bit scattered all over the place. Just how Jesse Marsh liked it. Maybe took Toronto FC into the comfort zone just a little bit. Um, and I think there will be some room for adjustment and improvement come the second leg for Toronto FC. 
Agreed. I, I thought TFC were well-drilled, well-organized. Greg Venny had the team prepared for exactly what they were going to face. And I thought up until the penalty, TFC had a very good first half. They, they did because they sat back. And they benefited from the fact that they scored that early goal. That early goal for Victor Vasquez was so important. Huge, huge. And, and it wasn't, uh, what I'd say, the cleanest first half, but it was... Um, a well-managed first half, very professional from TFC, and that first goal was going to be so important. It silenced the Red Bull crowd a little bit, and uh, TFC were then able to go and play their game. Problem was for the Red Bulls, there wasn't enough people there. <laughs> like, seriously, like, that's a disappointing crowd. I know it's a Monday night, but... This is a big city. They need to be able to draw more than that. Yeah, there's been a couple disappointing crowds in, in the playoffs. Houston comes to mind, Chicago. And, uh, you know, then you see last night in Seattle against uh, Vancouver, huge, impressive crowd there. I thought the TV cameras did a great job of hiding. I watched the game on TSN, and, and you couldn't tell uh, how empty uh, the arena was. I'm told up top it, it was. There's uh, no one there other than Toronto FC fans. There was probably about 500 of them. Awesome. They were great bringing the noise. But you're right. That first goal settled Toronto FC into the tie. And I think it really changed the way that Toronto FC went about their business. Great move down the right-hand side. Altidore on Perinel is such a mismatch. Or any of those defenders, quite frankly. Long did better for the Red Bulls uh, on Monday than he did over the course of the season. But after having a go at Paranel once, he put him around. He put the ball around him the second time, forced Luis Robles into making a decision. Uh, it was a difficult ball to handle. Should have done better. Punched it straight th through the 18-yard box. Great touch by Vasquez. Still had work to do. His finish was more difficult than what you maybe originally thought. But then put into the right-hand corner. Then from that point, you're like, okay, Toronto FC's in this. We touched on it uh, when we were previewing the game that Paranel might be a little bit of a weak link uh, down the left-hand side uh, for the New York Red Bulls. And I thought Eltador exposed. And we saw it in the playoffs last year against Montreal that when he does drift out wide and get in 1v1 uh, duels, he's a beast. He's so hard to stop. And, and, and he uses his pace and power extremely well. He, he doesn't overcomplicate his trick. He just knocks it past Paranel whips a great ball in, and I, and I thought the way you described it's perfect. He gave Robles a decision to make, and for me, Robles has to hold it. Uh, I know it's a tricky one. It was slick, uh, the surface. It was a little bit wet. He goes for the safer here, here, option. Here's some context. Punches it. It had been pouring rain for, like, basically the 36 hours before the game, so the field was slick. It was moving. I think he was worried about spilling it. So he's like, I'm going to try to knock it out with some power rather than taking it in. That was a decision that he made because when you're in the six-yard box, he's coming out. You're right. He should have done better, Terry. But I think that the way that Altador hit it with pace, with power, made it that much more difficult for the goalkeeper. Agreed. And, and it's too much of a gamble for a keeper to just punch it with power up the middle of the field. I'm with you. And, he, had to, he had to push it out the other way. And Vasquez's awareness, and, and it doesn't happen by accident that he's in the right place. I thought his first touch is excellent. He opens his hips up extremely well, shows great composure. I've seen a ton of players in that position snatch at it. It's still pretty early in the game, and, and he just feels it into the far corner and gives Robles no chance. And there was players coming at him from all over the place and kept his cool kept his composure. And what that allowed TFC to do was sit back even a little bit deeper. Like that first half at times was played at a walking space. It was, it wasn't the most thrilling game. 
And where the struggle came is that Toronto FC were so good, in such a good shape defensively, the Red Bulls couldn't do anything. And where things kind of broke down for Toronto FC is when they won the ball back, they couldn't keep possession of it. So many balls were just played. It was almost as if the team was consistently trying to swing for the fences, like go for the home run shot, right? Rather than like a single or a double. So playing it long, trying to catch New York playing high, try to catch them on the counter instead of just keeping a little bit of possession of the ball. Yeah, and I think that comes down to the playoffs and the way the Red Bulls play that they're pressing extremely high and in numbers. And once you've got that one goal lead, TFC, having a way goal to protect now, they don't want to give that up and take any chances by possibly overplaying, losing the ball when you're wide open, deep in their own half, and then all of a sudden the Red Bulls are numbers up and attacking you. So I, th- I thought that was the right pl- way to go. Uh, I've seen TFC a little bit slicker with their passing, but I think you've got to give credit to the New York Red Bulls that their press is good, and, and you have to respect it. I-, I think that it was kind of in the instruction as well. Like, New York's playing three at the back. They're weak you can catch them up when they commit too many numbers. And that's what TFC was trying to do. It just wasn't coming off. And and you know when you've got Altidore and Javinko up top, just those two on their own, you w- are going to create opportunities, which we saw in the second half of the free kick. But this is what was disappointing for me, and this is what needs to be changed. Toronto FC, their passing accuracy over the game, just at 68%. This is a team that's being 80 and above with regularity over the course of the year. <laughs> You need to make the decision at times. You know what? Maybe we won't go for that long ball, try to expose them. Maybe we just need to keep it a little bit. At at some point, I agree you do have to keep it, but each game is a little bit different, and I think you need to manage uh, each situation and look at it individually. And it it wasn't a game to try to play sexy possession-based football. I I get it. The possession number at around 36% didn't bother me. It was the pass completion. Like that, that I didn't like just players were not on the same page. Some so many times, Terry, you just saw players just saying, Oh my bad. Or you need to hit me here. Just some of the players just weren't on the same page. Having said that though, I thought TFC easily could have been up to nil. Delgado hits a crossbar. It was a great, great run header. Too. Yeah, it was a good run. I liked the movement with Moro coming inside, created a bit of space for Vasquez. When Vasquez drifts out wide to the left-hand side, you know, he's going to cut back onto that right foot. He rarely doesn't execute great ball. I think, uh, Delgado just gets ahead of Lawrence. And I, I think he's over top of the ball enough where he should probably score a great run from deep from midfield. I think he was thrown off by Lawrence a bit. But I love the run by Delgado because Seba was dropping so deep to try to get involved in the play. And, and that was part of the style of play. And I didn't mind that as well. But I just love how Delgado acknowledged and understood where the space was. And I think you can expect a lot more of that in the second leg of this tie. Um, the first half... I, I'm with you. The first half went to plan, except for the final two touches, two touches of the ball in the first half of play. The yeah. penalty given and the penalty converted by Daniel Royer. I think he's a very good player, well taken by him. But I have a real problem that the penalty was given in the first place. What did you see, Terry? Uh, I can see why it was given. I'd probably say seven times out of ten, those will be given. I thought Drew Moore needed to do a little bit better moving his feet when he gets beat initially. Uh, And your normal reaction as a player is to try to make up for it. He turns. It's just a little bit clumsy. It's difficult to tell on camera how much contact there actually is. But from the referee's angle, the slightest contact player is going to go down. He does that. 
And and I can see why the penalty well, is given. Well, and, and any time that a player tries to tackle, they're not in a goal side position. You're asking for trouble. And I don't. You think, are. Sort but, of, but 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 it was panic stations a little bit, which was weird between Moore and Delgado. Like times running in the first. Like, just play it out. Just play and, and it out. The other thing I'd say too is is Moore didn't need to make that tackle. There was enough bodies in and around the ball. You could back Bono to possibly make a save if it comes to it. It was just a little bit uncharacteristic and, and just a touch rash from uh, Drew Moore. Yet, at the same time, VAR was not used. And, and we'll bring this up a little bit later in the podcast. But a play like that, when a player goes down soft, I can't believe the VAR official wouldn't have let the official know on the, fish, on the field, Drew Fisher, who I thought, other than that, did a relatively good job. He needs to know. If he makes that call the wrong way, that he needs to know. 100%. And that's exactly what I thought last night watching the Vancouver-Seattle game. When is VR going to be used? Is this an incident? No. You're sort of waiting for video review to be used, at least be looked at. And it comes sometimes. Sometimes it doesn't. There's a little bit of inconsistency now. And I know they say it has to be clear and obvious. But have a look at penalty appeals. Yeah, no kidding. Especially when you see a Houston-Portland game, a penalty get called back after given, after the whistle blew. Because there was some conversation that when the whistle blew, the referee made that call uh, for a penalty, then that's what it it was going to stand. And if he didn't call for a penalty, then they could have reviewed it if he didn't blow his whistle. But no, it goes both ways. So what is it? And, And speaking to people around the club, um, some people don't, aren't even sure how it's being used properly. It, there's a lot of confusion around VAR when and how it's being used. And this, this would scare the crap out of me if I'm the manager of this team, is that a decision might end up going against your way, against you, based upon VAR, something that isn't used in an equal way for all instances. And, and you're going to see players starting to get clever now where they quickly take free kicks and get on with play so video review can't be used and trying to utilize, get the best out of that inconsistency so it goes your way. Uh, at times you see that it's right. I thought the sending off, not to get off topic here, in the... Who, New York game, the, Columbus? The the elbow. Uh, yeah, yeah, New York, Columbus. Yeah. I thought that is a great example where... where Video See, I don't think that was on. a sending off. It is. He can't elbow someone in the face. Yeah, but I, I don't think he intentionally Sorry, did it. You, I love you, but that's no, no. That's but black I don't, I don't think that he intentionally did it. Yeah, I but thought he still, looked. I arms he, not in a natural spot. You can't elbow someone in the head. How many times do you see arms up in a game, Terry? He's he's going for a 50-50 ball. We'll I watch. don't think it's malicious, yes. but it is, it's a sending off. I, I see. I disagree and because it's that was the case that a replay. And all that hard work that. Patrick Vieira is done with his team all season goes out the window. Well, I think it's a case where a replay makes it look much worse than it actually is. So potentially, you see arms up all. But the why? Time. Why even give the referee? You are corner. You. Why even give the referee a decision? Well, to now, make? now that it's going to be reviewed every two minutes, then he can't do it. 100%. But you watch any long ball that's played up by from a goalkeeper, forward strikers with with battling defenders, arms are up all the time. And it was on a, on a corner kick Maybe as well. Maybe we'll see our TFC strikers finally get a little bit of protection now. Maybe. I don't know. But An- anyways, so it was 1-1 at halftime. Second half. 1-1 was not the right result. It should have been 2-0, at least 1-0 to sure. TFC. Uh, we'll talk the second half next. And Super Seba does it again right here on Come On You Reds. This is Come On You Reds. Wheeler and Dunfield with you taking a look back at the first leg, Red Bulls TFC, before we take a look ahead. This is episode 109. Hit us up on Twitter at Wheeler 
TSN at Terry underscore Dunfield. Now, because of the Drew Moore foul right on the stroke of halftime, um, rolled his ankle. I watched during the halftime. He tried to give it a go, simply couldn't. And Nick Haglin came on, who made one start since returning from injury back in like August or late July. Like he only made three appearances for Toronto FC over the stretch run of the season. And he came in, looked very comfortable throughout. One mistake. And it was just misjudging a ball in the air where Bradley Wright Phillips kind of went in alone. Other than that, it was the old Nick Haglin we were seeing. And he, and he had his mate Bono to dig him out. I thought that was Bono's best save of the game where he was Me off too. his line extremely quick. Great ball in behind. And that's Bradley Wright Phillips all day just playing off the back of shoulders. And there's no better striker in the league than that. But I thought Nicky Haglin was immense. He's coming off the back of two pretty serious knee injuries looked fit and this is a credit to the sports science team at tfc whenever a player has been out for a while and has come back into the first team fold he hasn't looked tired he's been up to the speed of the game and i, I thought nicky Haglin that that was a true test to not only his ability but but his character to step in uh, i thought he into a very difficult playoff scenario i thought he was immense in the playoffs last season and uh, it'll be if if called upon to play on Sunday. I'm sure uh, there'll be no worries amongst the. Club. Yeah, we'll get into that in a moment. Uh, New York came in waves to start the first half. The first 15, 20 minutes of that second half was one way traffic, and that was Alex Bono's best moment. But I thought he was great, confident in the air. A couple great takes, a couple big saves when need be. I I just thought that. For a young player playing in his first MLS playoff game, he didn't look like it was his first playoff game. Thought he was fan- uh, fantastic. A couple of awesome snags on cor- uh, yes. crosses into the box, which relieves pressures and, and defenders, and, and you, your team just love that so much. And, and it just gives you a little bit of a breather. For me, that shows signs of a keeper that's confident. And John Conway, the goalkeeping coach, really all the way through the clubs, right down to U11, wants the keepers to be positive. Uh, and, and he's doing an excellent job. Uh, just going back to the way TFC defended, I thought it was orchestrated by Michael Bradley. The way the team protected the middle of the park, that direct game channel, just kept New York outside of them, didn't let them really get in behind them other than that one time. And I thought Bradley just did an awesome job of just keeping the team compact. And at times, TFC, and no disrespect to Javinko, are defending with 10 men. Javinko doesn't give you a whole bunch defensively. Right. He gives you a ton going the other way. So I, I think TFC collectively defended extremely well in their units. I didn't see the, the stats post-match, but in terms of how many tackles Michael Bradley won. And interceptions. Oh my God. Like, this is playoff Michael Bradley. Like, regular season Michael Bradley is very, very good. Playoff Michael Bradley turns it up to an, another level. We saw that last year, and I'm like, oh, there he is. His awareness of trouble is, is right. unbelievable. And, and I thought the team, whether it came from Greg Vanny or, or they knew it themselves, they kind of protected that away goal extremely well. And I think we touched on it a little bit earlier with Juvinko up top and Eltador. You, you know in that second half you're going to get one or two opportunities. Yeah, other than that Bradley Wright Phillips ball over the top, a couple other half chances, TFC really limited the opportunities of the Red Bulls. Because like, like you said, intercepting passes, like – they, they only completed 29% of their crosses because TFC was winning every 50-50 ball. Protected Bono well. Yeah. Didn't let them really down. Just sliced them apart through the middle. And that's so much easier easier said against the Red Bulls as well because that's a question as a 10. There's not many better in the league. And I thought they nullified him extremely well. Uh, then my boy, 
Sebastian Javinko. Oh, your boy. In, well, he, he is my boy in the 72nd minute. Draws the foul. Um, I thought Altador was big in the buildup to that goal as well. Um, giving Javinko a chance to draw that foul. Eerily the same position where he scored against Atlanta United. I called it. And the Red Bulls didn't know what to do. They didn't know whether to bring back a player, put him on the post. They had a four-man wall. And it was a little bit of a nightmare from New York's perspective because they were shaking their boots and Seba made them pay again. It's like this guy doesn't miss free kicks anymore. It's incredible. He's just dialed in every time there's a free kick. It's like Groundhog Day. You kind of get that feeling that that you're in trouble for, for whoever TFC are playing against. And, and what makes made this one special compared to the Atlanta one is I think he's got will agree that he's got different techniques. He can beat the keeper either side. He's got the whip. He's got the knuckleball into he's the top the corner. He's got the nene as well. He's got the nene. I don't even know what that is. But he's <laughs> you got, got the- your whip. <laughs> you got your nene. <laughs> so, so Ooh, he's, watch me. What? So okay, he's go. got different tools he can use. So he's mastered uh, that. But I thought what he did different against Atlanta and, and to the one against the Red Bulls is time. It was like right. a change-up. Against Atlanta, he's over top of the ball for 10, 12 seconds, does his sort of Ronaldo pose, and the precision on that free kick was was unbelievable. But this one, he doesn't allow the Red Bulls to really set. Once he's over top of it, it's just a second or two he lets whip, whips it over the ball, over the wall. Unbelievable technique, but he doesn't allow Lawrence, I think, is trying to get onto the post, and, and I don't think Robles is even set for it. Right. Um, so he's, he can change the tempo of his free kicks as well. So Javinko now has seven goals from a direct free kick in 2017. I, I said this was a key to the match because the New York Red Bulls, as a team, didn't score one all year and haven't scored one. There's a difference maker right there. You look at some of these ties Which is a bit games. surprising when you, when you look at Felipe, possibly Kleschen can take a free... Royer, they've got quality. I'm, I'm surprised they haven't got one. But that one. just shows you in this league, having match winners is everything. Especially and, in the playoffs, oh. difference makers is uh, is huge, and, and that's why TFC have to, they can sort of put up with Javinko not really defending because he can change a game in a second. Exactly. Um, got into a little bit of a debate um, online because right now I think Sebastian Javinko is the best free kick taker in the world. Just, just based upon the stats, he scored he scored a direct free kick goal. Every three plus games this year, one every three games and change. That's ridiculous. Who else in the world is scoring a freak? And just think of the best free kick takers now or over time. The David Beckham's of the world. You can go down the list, Terry. They might get opportunities, but they don't score with regularity. They might come close, but Sebastian Javinko is actually converting these chances, and, which and makes I, it all that much more. And remarkable. the goalkeepers in MLS, you might look and say they're not the same quality as the top leagues in Europe, but but these are some very good goalkeepers. Guzan just came from the Premier League, the Atlantic keeper Robles, one of the MLS's best, and he's just beat them too. Uh, I, I and for Javinko, I I, I think once he's a hundred percent fit. And he's got that confidence and that little bit of swagger when he steps up to a free kick. It's, and right. he's got keepers second-guessing himself which way he's going to go. He's, he's really got them on and, toes. And, and I'm sorry I don't buy that argument fully because if there's an area where 
it, it's similar in the game of football. It's 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 making or converting a free kick. And I'd also like say it, two like, wheels. like right because there's a wall, 100%. there's a net, there's a goalkeeper. It's about the free kick taker to execute. The other thing I'd say too is is he's got a phenomenal range as well. It's, he doesn't just have like a wheelhouse or a sweet spot. It's from all over. Oh, he, he can go as far as we saw Atlanta. That was far. Right. That was third, almost 30, 32 yards. So I hear what people are saying. Yes, Lionel Messi, brilliant. Like Cristiano Ronaldo, he went on a stretch where he had like two direct free kick makes an 88 like just because you're a phenomenal player doesn't mean that at that specific skill which which it is within the game of football that you are top class but right now Javinko absolutely is how cool is it though that we're having this conversation in Toronto that we have one of the best at his craft in the world it's and amazing. he's about to play here in Toronto on Sunday it's amazing and it, it, he could play a definitive role between and, now and, and MLS Cup. And, and by the way, how deep are TFC on free kicks? Because Eltador can step up and take free kicks. Yeah. We've seen what Vasquez can do. Vasquez what about his one. free kick underneath the wall earlier in the year? Exactly. It's, it's, it's one Quite of those the pecking things order. where now if you're another team, you might have to lay off Altador and Javinko 30 yards in because you don't want to give up a free kick. It, that, you know what? That's an awesome point, and I guarantee you that'll be part of Jesse Marsh's team talk. Do not give away any silly free kicks. And by the way, Felipe is hack a shack. He, yeah. he's, he's a free kick waiting to happen. Right. And, and if you're Toronto FC, if I'm Greg Vanny, I'm having a word with Javinko, whoever, saying around the area, no shame in going down. Uh, yeah, I don't think get, you need to tell these guys. But yeah, yeah, I know. But it, just get your, your body between the defender and the ball. And if there's contact, because this is a position where TFC can and will score from. It's a good problem to have. Um, anything else play out? Oh, yeah, Vasquez came off hurt. Uh, some people thought Felipe was a dirty play, hip on hip. Listen, I think Felipe, that's kind of his MO. He's not well-liked across the league because he's willing to get stuck in. But this is playoff football, right, Terry? I th- I, I'm not gonna... I, I'll be honest. I've, I've, I've come up against Felipe numerous times when he was in Montreal. I've got respect for him. He's wholehearted. I wouldn't say he's dirty. Uh, I think on his number, he's good value. Uh, but I don't think there was anything like he was trying to do uh, Vasquez. Those are sore ones, those hip on hip. I think he just needs to spend a week on the massage table. It'll be sore just getting fingers stuck into it. And uh, I'd be surprised if he's not good to go. But shout out to Jonathan Azorio. I thought, again, he came on, was excellent. What about, not Armando, easy. What about Armando Cooper? Because he's really struggled. He came on. I thought he was great. Both of them were. And, and, and it's not easy just being thrown in off the bench. We know Azorio's form coming into this game was excellent. And brave from Greg Vanning. I thought uh, Cooper's time was coming to an end. Obviously, Greg Vanning trusts in him. And uh, he definitely has quality. That's never been in doubt. Uh, for me, it's more been, can he fit into TFC's system? Is he a good fit into the midfield now? And does he have that motivation? And I think he ticked both those boxes. Vanny got it right again. G- going back to the three at the back, three five two, starting Beta sure. Thought Beta was solid. Bringing Zavaleta back in. Thought he was great. I, I just thought that Vanny got the way that he set up the team spot on yet again. Not just how we set up, too, but how well the team was prepared for, for New York to, to play spoilers and just try to ruin the flow of the game. And, and I thought, again, another very experienced professional performance that puts TFC in an awesome spot. It's by no means done, uh, the tie, but in a great spot coming home to be more Is Seba your man of the match, top red, or is it going to be Bono? Uh, I thought Nikki Haglin. 
Nikki Hagelin. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I tweeted it out. Uh, I thought Nikki Hagelin was awesome. I thought how he came in and the circumstances. Not only in that mid, do you need to defend and worry about your own position in the middle of a three? It's so important that you're organizing others. Your awareness. Uh, he's a very good communicator. Uh, and, and he gives you another threat on attacking set pieces as well. But I thought he was he was brilliant. And I thought Bonham, other than the save at 60 minutes off Bradley Wright Phillips, where he was off his line quick, was protected well and made saves he should. I'll go Sabah just because of the goal. And I'll go Michael. I thought Michael Bradley again yeah, was great. Yeah, there, there's a number of different players you could have cho- My office, so. too, is right beside Jeff Bradley's as well, his uncle. So you I don't want to be getting the stink on. Talk about sucking up. Um, had the pleasure and privilege of meeting Alex Bono's parents, Mark and Kim. Okay. Say hi to them, Terry. They listen to the podcast. What's up, Mark and Kim? Uh, I was going to go out to dinner with them afterwards, but then Alex was going. I didn't want to like be like the fifth wheeler on that one. So, <laughs> so next time, Boom. next time they're around, we'll go hang out. We'll go have a pint, but uh, it was great meeting them as well, uh, on Monday. Uh, We'll get into what lays ahead for Toronto. I've seen the return Are leg. they coming to Toronto for the second I leg? I don't know. How did you not ask that? I was focused on the game that night. And All right. There was still a game Sound, to be sounded played. like you were focused on the dinner. I didn't see the post-match. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk about what changes need or should or could be made ahead of Sunday's match. Uh, what about the big cup final before the match? Nine well, o'clock Ontario Soccer Center. Well, we'll let you give a shout out about that next. Take Sorry, I it felt easy. like I needed to bring that Relax up. there, gaffer. <laughs> and MLS Player Award nominees were unveiled as well. We'll get into that next right here on Come On You Reds. This is Come On You Reds. Take it away, Terry Dunfield. I was just seriously, was it a real invite to dinner? Or it was, was it? a real invite to dinner. <laughs> the Bonos and, and Wheeler. I think I think that uh, we're friends forever. Okay. Why is that? I don't even get why that's so funny. That's not funny. Uh, we have your Sunday planned. Let's get down to business here, because Sunday is going to be a big day. Sunday, uh, the return leg, Eastern Conference semifinal at BMO Field. But your day might start early at the Ontario Soccer Center, nine a.m. Terry, what's going on there on Sunday morning? U14s are in the U15 OPDL Charity Shield. It's called championship game and that's your team that's our team the boys and we play richmond hill or they beat our nemesis west ottawa 2-1 in the other semifinal. so we come in a little bit like tfc we've won the charity shield so now we're going to the finals uh so uh yeah it's great and the team a year above they're in the finals as well so we have two academy teams in the final brilliant and the boys are are you feeling pressure a little bit the boys are jacked it's a little bit different when you're kind of on the coaching side to play. I think you need to settle down there, Jurgen Klopp. Like, <laughs> you know, keep your shirt on. You're going to be a little bit too excited. I want to wear a three-piece on the sideline. Ooh. <laughs> and then wear it straight to the TFC game. Damn. Okay. Terry's going to wear his three-piece. No, piece. I won't wear a three-piece. Ontario wear Soccer three Center, under 14 it's five, Academy also team. Also, it's $5 to get in. All money goes uh, towards charity. Beautiful. And uh, one of the players on our team, mom had breast cancer. We, and if you win uh, the shield, you get to pick uh, which charity it goes to. So if we are able to get over the line, all, uh, all money raised will go to Breast Cancer Foundation. Nice touch. Yeah, it's Love brilliant. it. Um, so go out there. You can start your day at 9 a.m. Then you hop in the car. You can maybe give Terry a ride. 11.30 a.m., Liberty Village Street Party presented by Budweiser. I'm going to be down there. 
Kellen Schved's going to be down there. D-Rose going to be down there. It's our official pre-match street party in Liberty Village. Are you going to be there? Of course I'm going to be there. I'm reading the script here. It doesn't say that you're going to be there. It says that they're expecting a large crowd, so make sure you arrive early as the first 500 fans to show up will receive a TFC long-sleeve playoff shirt. And but it does it. It definitely does not say Terry Dunfield. There'll be super awesome guest appearances. Okay, well Terry's going to be there <laughs> until <laughs> I'm not, uh, Dero. Not sure who else. I'll be there. Okay, well that's good. Yeah, so that'll be a lot and of fun. And Caroline, march to the match at two p.m. I, I we have to march early because we're on radio. Two p.m. I thought you were going to say it's because you're so slow. No, 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 no. <laughs> 2 p.m. on the TSN 1050. We have an hour pre-match show, Terry. Are you going to wear sandals because of your toenail? No, I think I'll be good. Well, I think good. I'll be good. By the way, what about your gear yesterday at the Kia training ground? Oh, let's not talk about that. Salmon pants with a uh, camo jacket. They were salmon pants. That's <laughs> with accurate. With wellies on? With, with the fluorescent camo jacket. And I was wearing my hunter boots. I told my wife, she's like, never leave the house like that again. And I fully acknowledge it. I was a little bit doped. You said there was a reason, though. Well, I was a little bit doped up. Like, right. um, I had my scans at Princess Margaret on uh, Wednesday. And you find and I took today, a lara- right? I, I took a lorazepam. And those things, like, knock you out. So I was kind of in a fog. And I woke up. I was like, oh, I need to get to training. And I just threw on whatever. I wasn't thinking. And I went out there looking like a clown. And just, you should have seen it. I walked so out. I, and I gave like, you a hug. The whole media, like all of them are there. And there's a lot this time of year. And I was like a few minutes behind running late. And I opened the door and everyone just turned. It was like, what is that? It was like like the dark shadow and stranger and things. And also was like the them. big dog of the media too. Oh, I don't know about that. Everyone was like, who the, who, who brought this, this guy? Clown? <laughs> Ah, it's all, it's all about your quality of work, and it's top. Thanks, from. buddy. Budweiser Street Party, uh, your pre-match party for the 3 p.m. kickoff at BMO Field. DJ starting from scratch. Are you we'll doing a dance-off this year? I could. I'm willing to. Nice. Of course. I might wear a three-piece suit. I, I will wear a three-piece suit on Saturday. Book it. Um, Drew Moore and Victor Vasquez are both questionable. Not sure if they're going to play or not. It's one of those things, yes, you would like both players in the team, but the depth in this group, Terry, you can bring in Haglin. You have Hasler on the bench. You have Cooper. You have Azorio. You have Rick. Like, there's, there's an embarrassment of riches. So I'm confident even if one of those players might not be able to go that you're not giving away too much if they can't. You know what I, no, you know what I mean? That's like, 100% been one of the strengths of TFC this year and has been how deep the team is and that competition for places as well adds an intensity to training. I bet, though, and I've seen it a couple times, the 11-a-side games the day before are – it's they're so competitive. It's not a first team necessarily against a reserve team. There's there's players in that second team now that could walk in right. to any starting team in the MLS. And if a, if Vasquez is out, yes, it'll be a blow. You you can't replace Vasquez, but you've got players like Jonathan Azorio and Kupru who bring other things to to the table, but can can definitely do a job. I'm super confident about this match. I think New York. They they've even acknowledged they have to come out swinging. They need to go after it. They need to get come away with two away goals here, Terry, which is a very difficult thing to do against Toronto FC, who over their last 22 games at home has 17 wins, one loss. 
And, and what? And ha- four draws. I think that's proper math. And, and, and four draws. Yeah. And, and what happens is, is when a team tries to get after it and, and chase a goal, all of a sudden they leave themselves a little exactly. bit exposed. And, and what TFC are so good at is breaking in transition, exploiting any space in behind or any space even in front of the back three. So, so New York are in a in a very uh, difficult spot coming to BMO where TFC's record is is second to none. And, and the, I think TFC are, are very good at just absorbing pressure. There's no panic stations. And, and then uh, where they are very good is when they do turn the ball over, hitting the team on the count, hitting teams on the counter. And TFC are also good. And I think this is something they'll improve and, and will have learned from in New Jersey is just keeping that ball a little bit better as well. Do they need to change the way that they play? Need to change anything come Sunday, Terry? I don't think so. I, I think uh, it, it's important that, that Altidore and Javinko aren't too disconnected from the midfield. I'd, I'd like to see uh, if Jonathan Azorio comes in for Vasquez or whoever it is, just see a midfielder a little bit closer at times to the front too. Other than that, I, I think uh, yeah. I think they got it spot on. I think that TFC needs to better use the fullbacks. Moro and Betashore or Moro or Hasler, whoever's going to play those positions. I just thought they didn't fully take advantage. Full credit to Lawrence and, and Adams. I thought they did a nice job limiting space. The uh, New York quickly rotated, but it's a different story when if, you play if at you, If you watch how New York play and press as well, they almost funnel TFC into the middle of the park. Right. So, so it's difficult to utilize those fullbacks. What they do need to do quickly to, to bring them into play is either move that ball laterally across the pitch extremely quick, what they're good at, or come inside to then go out and, and sort of beat that initial press. I'm, I'm not really worried. I, I'm, I'm sincerely you don't look not at, that worried. You don't look at it at all. You're pretty you. comfy. I, I think that... New York's going to try to press early. TFC needs to be patient over the first 15, 20 minutes and then understand that they're in the driver's seat and I think they can punish New York. I think it's going to be about a 3-0. And there's enough experience and professionalism and drive to win the MLS Cup that the TFC, I don't think, will take anything for granted or think that be looking ahead of this game. I think right. uh, that the game will get the respect and um, that it deserves. Anything else on this? I think I'm done. I'm ready. Yeah, me too. But back to Clay's video. Definitely watch that if you want to get psyched yes. or get pumped or, or what it means to the city and club as well. Yeah, it's that song. I think Drake's on it, Trophies. I'm just going to listen to that over and over and over again in the build-up to Sunday. Let's talk the other games really quickly. Uh, Columbus, New York. I called it. I was all over the crew, Terry. They were fortunate that Callens got sent off. Uh, leaving New York City down to 10 men. But still, Sean Johnson gives up a soft goal. Columbus scores a late goal. I just think Columbus is a better team than New York. Yeah, I've never, if I'm honest, been a huge Sean Johnson fan. Uh, I, I think he's athletic. I, I, I think he he sort of, his reputation precedes him a little bit. And I thought he got found out. He, he got beat. I think probably two of the four goals he could have done better on. Great last goal by Awful where he dribbles past a few. The game turned on its head with the sending off. But this Columbus crew team's decent, and, and I feel like they're playing with a little bit of a chip on the shoulder with, with this potentially moving out of Columbus. So so they're, uh, th- that'll be a very good game. Not to look ahead of ourselves if TFC were to play Columbus. I don't think New York come back. 
back. Uh, and another, I love the fact that Columbus is close enough so you'll get away fans at the game as well. Right. Um, Brion and Callens, the two starting center halves, out for New York. Yikes. That's bad news for New York City FC. Yikes that they're starting center right. halves. Uh, Portland, yeah, no kidding. Portland and Houston, well said. Uh, play to a nil-nil draw. Boring. Char is out for Portland, but Houston leaves loses their goalkeeper, Tyler Derrick. He's suspended some ugly off-field alleged incidents. Ugly kid Joe Willis is now their goalkeeper. He's given up a boatload of goals on the season when he stepped in. I like the Houston Dynamo in this tie, but going to Portland without your starting goalkeeper? Oof. Not ideal. No. And uh, Portland at home are a different team. Uh, I like Portland. I, I think uh, as as a as just a pure soccer enthusiast, I'd love to see Portland and Seattle. Uh, I think that'd be an awesome uh, Western Conference final. And you mentioned it, Seattle Sanders defeat the Vancouver Whitecaps. So weird, like the schedule. What they play Thursday night, the other three teams play Sunday. Like just kills momentum. Rant done. But the Whitecaps win. Clint Dempsey. The missing piece from last year's MLS Cup winning team. He gets two goals. And the Whitecaps get one shot over two legs. How disappointing is that? And the shot was a nothing shot. I, know. I, I thought when Chad Marshall went off in the first leg, that was a time where Robbo could have un, unleashed his bench. He's got a heavy bench. I think the Vancouver team's deep. Way too conservative. And then I, I thought Seattle, it was just a matter of time before they scored at home. Uh, Caps way too defensive. I don't think Reyna and Montero as a pair is the answer up top. Uh, the ball just kept coming back. And uh, I think Vancouver fans will just be left scratching their head a little bit. Did they? The one thing you want to say, boring. the one thing you want to say as, as a. As a player, when you play in big games, is do not leave anything on the table. Make sure you just give it everything. And I don't think Vancouver can say they did that. I mean, Robbo's not free of, of criticism, but at the same time, the players on the field need to show desire. I mean, there's it was just bland. The 4-4-2, the way they tried to play out of the back, it was just all too predictable. Yes. When they chase the game, uh, they... they they don't have the players with Montero and Reyna to play direct. Uh, Robbo got caught out. He tried to leave two up on a corner kick. All of a sudden, Seattle went short, exposed that. I thought that was good for the second goal. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's disappointing from Vancouver. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit sort of disappointed for their fans. So one team is already through to the conference final. The other three will be decided this Sunday. Back-to-back-to-back games. Should be a good one just in time for our High Five segment that's coming up next. Final segment of Come On You Reds, Wheeler and Dunfield with you. Let's get to it. This week's High Five. High Five. It's our weekly segment where you, we deliver you a Toronto FC-themed top five. Do you have a problem with this segment? Oh, I love it. I think it's a great just idea. Just struggle I through like it. this one. This week, top five favorite Toronto FC strikers in club history. Because we're celebrating the fact that Javinko scored a great winner uh, against New York Red Bulls. So it's our favorite or best? What do you want to do? Favorite or best? Favorite, best, or best for TV? See, my, my, TFC. my favorite are the best. So that's what I'm... So one the, of the, the best strikers or the best strikers that were for TFC? Yeah, that's it. Best okay. strikers for TFC. Okay. Okay? So Jermaine Defoe can't be in it then. 
Well, I, I, he didn't make my list. No, no, he ain't making mine. Okay. So no Defoe. Wow, a Defoe free list. But if it was the best strikers for TFC. No, 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 no. would have made For it. TFC. Yes. Yes. We're on Let's the go. same page. Let's go. Number five. You first. You want me? I got a tie for number five. You what? That's because Danny shot. Dickey has to make the list. Yeah. Deech. If Deech doesn't make the Deech list. Deech can't be tied. Yes, he is tied. Well, I'll tell him you told him he was tied. Because you, I got to give a shout out to the Welshman, Robbie Earnshaw. Oh, I thought I he had. A, I thought he time. had a really good little spell here. Not long enough. It's because he scored. It's because his, goals against the Galaxy. I, his I, service from midfield was good. Great service. Is he had a wonderful teammate in the midfield named Torsten Frings? <laughs> <laughs> well played. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so Robert Urshaw, Danny Dicchio share that honor at number five. I've got the big man, Danny Dicchio, as number five. Uh, and by the way, I've played a lot of staff games with him and five asides since I moved into the staff coaching role. Games? What does that have to do with anything? He is a very good soccer player. He is. I never played against him in my career, but for a giant, he's got extremely soft feet. He's smart, and uh, he's a way better player than I thought it's he was. It's too bad injury kind of shortened his, his career here. Honestly, and he's and that he's, stupid turf wasn't here from day one. Then he would have sure. been good. To and, and and he's an awesome ambassador for the club. Very uh, intelligent coach, uh, and, and uh, just a perfect TFC man. Okay, number four, your mate, and I'll let you take it away. Danny Cooverman's want to wax poetic about your buddy? Yeah, I've got uh, I've got Dwayne in number four. De Rosario on yeah. four. Okay, yeah. um, I think Dwayne. For the league would be number one, but for his time at TFC, wow. I've got him at number four. Okay. Uh, just a, such a skillful, technical player. He can he could do something that you just... I've seen other teams just clap him after he scored, uh, but I've got him at number I'll four. I'll say my thoughts on De Rosario. Kuverman's 19 goals, 41 games, another player whose career was cut short with Toronto FC, but a guy with the famous quote that the Toronto FC was the worst team in the world. And I love the brutal honesty <laughs> at that time, <laughs> just because <laughs> everything that happened and it was there at that moment. But you know, in his time when he was on form, a very good striker for this Toronto FC club. Awesome. Num- and, uh, number three, I've got Coovermans at number three. Okay. Uh, top man, uh, my roommate was still one of my best mates. Uh, he actually texted me the other day and he said, there's another team that's worst team in the world in Syria. Uh, Benavito, they haven't won in their first nine games of the season. <laughs> nice. So obviously that quote stuck with him. Uh, gentle giant, uh, probably technically not the best player. Uh, and he'll be okay with me saying this, but just a pure goal scorer. And I, I remember a story uh, when we first sort of bonded out, inviting me over to his place in the beaches put on his video. Uh, he's like, do you want to watch a video of my goals? So I'm like, okay, cool. This will be maybe five minutes. 90 minutes later, I'm still watching all his goals for PSV and Holland. Wow. And they're all the same goal. Near <laughs> 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 post tap in. You're but, like, uh, is, is that Alan Gordon or is that Danny Krupperman? <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> all at the near post. Uh, so his goals are a little bit the same consistency, like tomato soup. Uh, but Brilliant. Uh, I've got num- him at number, number three. Number three for me, Josie Altidore. Um, you have D-roll ahead of Altidore? Yes, I do. All right. Altidore has been phenomenal. I think that this year has been his best with Toronto FC. You've been drinking. I think he had like an injury stop start. Like, listen, when all said and done, and over the course of his career, Altidore is probably going to be better and higher on the list. Dwayne De Rosario played almost 100 games for Toronto FC. How many has so Altidore played? Easy. 
50 something. So let's just wait and see, okay? What, how, the, how the entire career plays out. Maybe he's played a couple more than that, but Dwayne is almost a member of the Century Club. So um, Dwayne's going to be number two for me. A guy who I think was playing with much less around him and oftentimes had to put the team on his back. Local guy, wanted to play for this club. It was a boyhood dream. Yeah. And I think that we underrate how good the player was because of the team's lack of success around him, which I don't think is necessarily fair. So De Rosario for me is number two. Okay. Fair and, and Altador is number two for you. Okay. And number one, Sebastian Javinko. Okay. We'll just is that what you're doing? Yeah, just slow down a sec. Or do you have Jeff Cunningham, number one? I don't have Jeff Cunningham as number one. No? By the way, Altador, 38 goals in 75 appearances. and he brings 75, a, okay. And he brings a ton more than just goals. Uh, I've got him at number you. two. Uh, I think he's arguably the best number nine in the league right now. Uh, if, if I was building a team, he'd be definitely a player I'd look to bring in. Uh, I'm, I'm, I feel for him being booed as well. And I've got Javinko at number one. Yeah, I have nothing bad to say about any of these guys. Like, well, like But just Dwayne, for how long he was here, I think that we still need to show a certain level of appreciation for everything he meant for this team in this he, club. He's still, at he's, a very difficult still time, still getting too. bronze for me. Yeah. I'm a li- I mean, he never passed me the ball. So you're bitter. That's yeah, why. And then you know what he say to me? He's like, "Why? What are you gonna do with it?" <laughs> <laughs> uh, a couple other players that didn't make the list. Who people gave shoutouts to? Ryan Johnson thought he thought he had a good stay here. In he Toronto. could do he do everything, but couldn't score. Right, and he uh, had too many chances. Someone someone tweeted. I forget who it was. Said Luke Moore, Luke Moore, Luke Moore, Luke Moore. <laughs> I was like, right? Luke Moore made your top five. He's a strange one, Luke Moore. He had it all. He had the world at his feet. I think it was at Villa, West Brom, and uh, his career kind of just petered out a little bit. But awesome guy off the pitch as well. I've met him a few times. That was this week's high five. Uh, just to have time, we got to roll really quick. You want to make a prediction? Clay's with us. Clay was Clay actually called the two-one win on Monday night. So we'll give it to Clay. Your prediction, buddy. I want to say much to the chagrin of Eric Giacometti was on last week because he didn't think I was going to be right at all. But I nailed 2-1. I'm going 4-1. Well done. I'm going 4-1. TFC get the first two, then New York, and then TFC get the last two. Right on. 4-1. So I got 3-0, 4-1. Terry? 3-0. Okay. I'm sorry. You said the exact same thing I, as I know. me. I think it's 3-0. You didn't go with the Oracle. No, I didn't He's going to be Oracle. our predicting octopus, Clay, Clayton Hansler. No, I think, I think TFC, get once they get one or two, New York will blow up. Good stuff. Uh, This has been episode 109 of Come On You Reds. We'll see you down there at BMO Field, the Budweiser Street Party, all that good stuff. Sunday is going to be huge.